well, when they give, they're giving you the thumbs up, so you're good to go. Yeah. Let's say, stand with us as we do. Good morning. Stand with us as we begin to worship. Good morning. Good morning. You got it. Good morning, everyone. Can you please stand with us and worship? Good morning. Good job, guys. Good job. All right, so Ace, uh, you got. I think I sent this out, but Ace had surgery this week. He's doing really good. He should be back next Sunday, so we'll we'll keep praying uh, for Ace. I love the the biblical story that this song is wrote about. If you remember, Paul and Silas are arrested, and if any guys remember why they were arrested, huh? We're gonna have two sermons, right? <laughs> Why they were arrested is because they performed a miracle. They did a miracle, and, and there was a demon-possessed girl, and they removed the demon out of the girl, and the owners of the girl were upset because they, she, they lost, she lost her ability to fortune tell. And, and so they threw Paul and Silas in prison, and they're in prison, and what are they doing in prison? They're praising God. They're like worshiping. They're singing. And about midnight, the foundations of the prison... Now, they're not sitting in prison moaning about their situation or crying because, God, we are serving you and something bad happened and, oh, woe is me. That's not what they're doing. They're in prison worshiping the Lord because of what they were going through and where they were. And God uses that. And about midnight, what happens? The prison walls shake. And their chains come off of them. And the doors in the prison are open. And the guard who had put them in the inner dungeon, Scripture says, which is like the worst part of the prison. He didn't like them. He put them in the inner dungeon, 
He goes to kill himself because he knew if my prisoners escape, they're going to kill me anyway. And he goes to kill himself. And Paul and Silas say, no, don't kill yourself. We're all still right here. And what does he say? He looks at Paul and Silas and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they shared the gospel with him. And it says him and his whole household that very night were saved. Now that's amazing. Now why is that amazing? Because it didn't matter that they were in prison. It didn't matter the situation they were going through. They just worshiped the Lord. And they sang praises to him. So here's the deal. It doesn't matter your situation this morning and what you're going through, right? Worship the Lord. Worship God in song, in giving, and you're here this morning. Be excited to worship him. And he can use that. He can absolutely use whatever situation you're going through for his glory. That's sermon number one. Welcome to Crossroad this morning, okay? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, uh, today that we're here, Lord, to worship you in song, Lord, with our voices and singing and giving and in the preaching and teaching of your word, uh, God, today. Uh, it's cold outside, Lord, but I, I feel warmth in here uh, with my brothers and sisters, and I'm thankful to be here. Bless our time uh, together today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
seated this morning. Got some announcements I want to cover uh, real quick. Tammy and Dana, I know you wanted to say a couple more things about the strawberries. Come on up here, ladies. I know you don't want to say nothing, but you're involved in it, so. <laughs> okay, so good morning. Um, so we made new flyers. We also have some in color now. So, so if you guys want to take them to work and hang them up, they do have a place now where you can um, write your name, phone number, and stuff on here. So if you do take them to your job, it has our numbers, it has your numbers, so hopefully we can get some more orders on that. Um, we did find out that February 13th is a holiday, so um, if you are working at a court, bank, places, schools, places like that, um, you can come and pick them up, or Steve will be delivering now for two days. He will be delivering now on the 13th and the 14th. So um, just so you know, we are going to deliver both days. Well, Steve is going to deliver both days now. So um, if you take a lot of orders, just let us know. We're happy to get those delivered. Um, also on Wednesday night, especially for the kids, we are going to start giving out the goodie bags for children um, who do sell five or more dozen. So if any of you guys have five or more dozen, make sure you guys bring them on um, Wednesday, bring the money, bring the order form, and the kids will start getting prizes then. And still take orders. Yes, please keep taking orders. Because the more money we um, get, the better it'll be for our missionaries and other things that we're going to do with that money. Thanks. Nothing, Tammy? Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that's a great, it's a great opportunity uh, to support missionaries and all that. So a couple other things. We have uh, Youth Sunday. Youth Sunday is coming up. That's February 12th. We're going to have uh, the youth. They're going to be kind of taking over services that day. They'll be teaching Sunday school and doing the whole nine yards. So obviously, they already, a lot of them help with worship right now, but they'll be doing that that Sunday too. Um, so Youth Sunday uh, is February 12th. Lunch after the morning service. We'll have a big lunch after the morning service. And then we'll have a, a, an auction where like a pie auction, a gift auction to raise money for the youth fund. 
uh, and donations are needed for that, so please see Joel and Shelley uh, on that. Kind of the last Sunday, I'll probably bring this up, the marriage retreat is February 17th and 18th. The marriage retreat is at Chateau-on-the-Lake, but if you go register today, Chateau-on-the-Lake's full. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other resorts and hotels you can also stay at. You'll just have to drive over to Chateau-on-the-Lake to, to the marriage resort, or to the, to the marriage resort, marriage retreat, because uh, the classes are there. It's on, it starts at 2 o'clock on Friday and will be done 2 o'clock on Saturday. So uh, that evening we'll all go eat dinner together. So if you would like to, to register for that, please go online to the Facebook page or text me. Yes, Mike? No, I don't think so. I think we'll all just, yeah, we'll just, everyone will drive separate. Unless you guys wanted to take the, the, the bus, we can. If we have enough that want to, we could. Um, yeah, so that's, that could be an option, but I hadn't planned on that. But we can if, if we want to. Uh, so sign up for that. If you got questions, please let me know uh, on that. Wednesday night, we're going to be starting our Proverbs study upstairs. There's also going to be another class uh, for ladies downstairs on verse mapping and how to memorize scripture. So the Proverbs study will start up here. We're also going to tape it. So ladies, if you want to go to the verse mapping and watch the Proverbs, you can, or vice versa, however you want to do it. Uh, but we will uh, tape the Proverbs study. No women's breakfast or coffee this week. Men's Bible study uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. Discipleship at 4.30. Discipleship at 4.30. Men's Bible study uh, at 6 o'clock. And, and just on Wednesday nights. I know hopefully it was easy on Wednesday night. If Marshfield schools cancel on Wednesday night, we don't have services. So just, just an easy way to get that out there. Hopefully the bad weather's done uh, for a while. An another thing on, that Mike is going to be doing, uh, going to, it's the Abolish abortion rally. There's an abolish abortion rally. There's a Senate bill right now that's in committee uh, in, the ha in the Missouri House, or it's in the Senate, but it's in committee right now. Um, they're having a rally on Wednesday, February 15th from 1.30 to 2.30 at the state capitol. The church bus is going to leave here that day at 10.30. So if you would like to go to that, be here at the church at 10.30 a.m. They'll probably stop and eat lunch and then get there. It's about a two-hour drive. Uh, get there for the rally. Uh, last thing on tax, uh, tax statements, uh, on your giving statements, see Jeannie. She still has some if you haven't gotten your uh, giving statement. And blessing box donations. Do we need more? Is it full out there right now on the blessing box? Yes? I don't know. If you want to bring in stuff for the blessing box, we have a big one right outside the church now. Uh, if you know of people that are hungry or need clothes or they put all sorts of stuff in the blessing box that's right outside uh, the, the church here. Anything else that I forgot? Wednesday night dinner at 6 o'clock uh, like normal in classes 645 and also freeway on Saturday nights dinner at 530 uh, service at 6. Anything else I forgot? Okay if you would stand this morning let's take up our morning offering and we'll have a couple of worship songs before we jump into God's word together. So let's bless that today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, again, just for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to worship you. And uh, Lord, as we give back to you, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you take it and use it to further your kingdom, that the gospel will be uh, shared and preached in our local community around the world, uh, Lord. And, uh, and, and Lord, so just use it and, and fund our missionaries and all the missions that we have going. Uh, and in everything, Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, guys. All right, so turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5. If you would, please remain standing. We want to honor God's Word as we read it together. 1 John 5, 13 through 21. 1 John chapter 5, 13 through 21. So these are going to be the, the verses for, I don't know, obviously this week and probably next week. There's a, there's a lot in here, so I, I, I call this sermon, God's Guarantees. God's guarantees, part, part one. He guarantees us some things here, and um, there's several of them, and there's no way that I could fit all of them into one message unless you guys wanted to be here till like 2 in the afternoon or something. So we'll break it up, okay? 1 John 5, 13 through 21. It says this, I write these things to you 
who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God, who does not keep on sinning, but he who has been born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you again this morning uh, just for the opportunity, Lord, to be here to worship you. And, and Lord, I, I pray this morning, Lord, that, that you just remove any distractions that may be here uh, today in our minds, in our hearts. Uh, Lord, that, that um, there's some verses here that are very, very hard to understand sometimes. And, and Lord, so I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to go through them uh, today. And I thank you for the promises and the guarantees that you give us uh, in this passage and that we can count on. And we know because they're from you, and so they're faithful and they're true. And Lord, I pray that they hold in our hearts today and we apply them. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, as I've told you guys before, I love going through books. I love preaching through books. Um, I, I will jump around. You know, I like jumping around sometimes. And I do like to jump around every once in a while. But uh, the last time we were in First John, last week we had Sanctity of Human Life, which is extremely important. And we will talk about every single year uh, here, uh, Sanctity of Human Life. Uh, but the week before that, we were in First John chapter 5. And we looked at the testimony that God has given us about Jesus. Uh, in, in biblical times, we talked about that there had to be two or three witnesses to verify whether something was true. And that God is the ultimate witness of who Jesus was. He gave us three testimonies. Two of them were outward testimonies. The first one, if you remember, was water. That was the baptism of Jesus. At the baptism, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And Father, the Father blesses him. You see a picture of the Trinity there. Uh, that was the first outward witness that God showed us that who Jesus was. The second one, if you remember, was the blood. That was the crucifixion of Jesus. The numerous miracles uh, happened at his death. If you remember, we talked about the curtain being torn in two. There was a, a violent earthquake, earthquake where rocks were split open. Tombs were opened. And many bodies of saints appeared to many people. Uh, and if you remember, even people that were near the cross, pagans and Roman soldiers said about Jesus at that time, truly, this was the Son of God when they saw the crucifixion and saw everything that happened. Then we talked about the inward testimony, the internal witness of who Jesus is. And that's the Holy Spirit living inside of us as believers, testifying to who Jesus is. So today I want to I pick up back in 1 John uh, chapter 5 here. And John is closing this letter, and, and, and he's talking about some guarantees that we have in Christ. And he uses the word no seven times in the passage. So I want to define that real quick. The definition of no is to be aware through observation, inquiry, or information, or to be absolutely certain or sure about something. So John closes this letter by saying, I want you to be absolutely certain or sure of some things that we've covered in this letter, in these five chapters. And there's several of them. And like I said, I can't get through all of them today. I'm actually going to only touch on two today. Uh, John wants us to be absolutely certain of some things about the book of 1 John. The first one that I want to cover is knowing that you have eternal life. And that's in verse 13, if you go back to verse 13. Now, when, when we're breaking this stuff down, it's always good to look back at the context of what was written in the whole book. 
And, and so I want to do that real quick. I want you to flip over just a couple of pages to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 19. And you may find out why he is stressing this so much uh, in, in chapter 5 and, and closing the book. 15 through 19, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So what was the church dealing with? Why was John talking about this? Why were the believers, what were they dealing with? They were dealing with people that were amongst the brothers and sisters, amongst the brethren, that had left, that had left the church and went back into a life of the world. They had, they had uh, initially with joy received the message. And so something that we see today in the church happens this wasn't anything new. In fact, Jesus had told his followers, had told parables about this. I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus had, had warned about this. And he taught it in the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew chapter 13. And all of, just a side note here, all of the parables that Jesus taught about, you know what they were all about? Every one of them, they were always about salvation. It was always about salvation in heaven. It's always about salvation. So, so here's what Jesus says. Matthew 13, it's several verses. I'm going to start with 1 through 9. This, it says, The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him. So he got into the boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty, he who has ears, let him hear. And so the disciples are like, we don't have any idea what you just said to us. And this is one of the parables that Jesus says, okay, I'm going to explain to you exactly what I meant. And it's in verses 18 through 23. So skip down real quick. And he, he explains it. He says this, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what is sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown amongst the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundred, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So Jesus teaches this parable of the sower. And it's about people who receive the word. And, and, and they're, they're in, they're, they're in, and they receive it with joy, but very quickly they fall away. It never penetrates. There's no saving faith. And so I want to break these down real quick. The rocky ground, those are people, as I explained it, that would make an emotional or superficial commitment to Christ. But it's not real. It's just an emotional thing about, yes, I need to be saved or I need salvation. They're okay. They're okay with being in the body as long as there's no price to pay for their faith. As long as there's nothing expected out of them. As soon as they might suffer at all for the sake of the kingdom or Christ, they're out. They're out. They show that they're not true followers. 
They make emotional, an emotional decision based upon what they hear about Jesus. That's why we have to be very, very, very careful about how we handle invitations or how we share the gospel with someone. If I stand up here and I beg and plead for people to be saved and I put them on a huge guilt trip about salvation, that can easily turn into false professions of faith. And they may receive it with joy at that time, but very quickly, maybe over the course of weeks or months, they fall away and you never see them again. So we have to be very careful about how we do invitation times and and how we share the gospel and and, uh, when people are in an an emotional state. Is it emotional, though, when you come to faith in Christ? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. In fact, I would say if you aren't bearing tears of repentance for what Christ has done to you, maybe you really don't understand what Christ has done for you. It is emotional, but how we present that, we have to make sure that uh, they're a real commitment and not an emotional or superficial commitment. That's rocky ground. This, the, the, what was sown amongst the thorns, those are super, superficial commitments without true repentance. Bearing fruit, keeping with repentance is what? That your life now shows that you're a follower of Christ. Not that you've made this profession of faith in Christ and then immediately gone back to living how you lived before. But that Christ has changed you. You're made new. When I think of this, we we have great examples in here from Mike Simons and Mike Estelle and some of my brothers that I know what their life, what they've told me their life was like before they came to Christ. But then I have examples of all, everybody in here is an example of what Christ has done in your life from how you used to live to what you are now if you're a follower of his. Sown amongst the thorns are people that they can't break the love of money or they can't break the love of the world. Their commitment's only superficial. It's like they have one foot in with Christ and they like the message of the gospel. They like what they hear. It sounds good, but man, I love the world too. And that's what John warned about in 1 John chapter 2 in those verses. The good soil are true believers of the Lord Jesus who bear fruit in their lives. When we think about, uh, about bearing fruit, we think about maybe actions or works or, well, now they're serving in the church. That's not what Scripture teaches us fruit is. Fruit is described in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So when, you have, when you're in Christ, now what's coming out is the fruit in your heart, in your soul of being in Christ. In how you treat people. That you have love, you have joy, you have peace. No matter the situation. They open with the song and I explained Paul and Silas, right? That's peace in Christ. Knowing no no matter the situation, Paul and Silas are in prison. They had gotten beaten for casting out a demon. Literally being persecuted for their faith in Christ. They're in prison and yet what do they have? They have peace of heart and mind. And they're singing hymns. That's a fruit of the Spirit coming out. Love, joy, peace, patience. Alright, so go back to the text in 1 John chapter 5. What was happening? They were seeing people come and go falling away from the church. And it's shaking them. It's causing them to start questioning their own salvation. They start questioning, are we really in Christ? Do we really have Christ? And so what does John say? He says, I wrote this so you know that you have eternal life. That you can know that you have eternal. Remember the definition of know? To be absolutely certain and sure we don't have to question, brothers and sisters, whether we're in Christ. So what's John, John is bringing assurance to them that they can know that they're in the faith. Now listen, I, I don't think that question was just asked in Scripture. I think that's a question that we ask many times. It's a question that I think many, many people think about. Am I really a follower of Christ? Am I really in Christ? If Jesus came back today... Would I be left? Would I still be here? 
You know where that question comes from, brothers and sisters? Well, it's a fine line. I want to say this. It's, a, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. I said this before and I'll say it again. I absolutely want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I want you to think about and make sure that you know that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you've believed in him and him alone and not yourself. And he is in your heart and you have eternal life. And I believe you can know that. But I also want to warn you. That if you think coming to church and checking off a box, or serving in a committee, or preaching a sermon would get you to heaven, that if you believe that, when you die, you're not going to be in heaven. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, many are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did mighty works in your name. He said, I will look at them and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. So working out our salvation is extremely important. So I want you to question, but I don't want you to question. Understand where I'm at? It's a hard place to be. But when you know you're in Christ, he gives you some guarantees. Here's some guarantees from scripture. John chapter 10, 27 through 30, it says this. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. There's that word again. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the the Father are one. Here's another one, Ephesians 4.30. I'm going to go through these quick. Write them down, they're up there if you want to. Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's interesting. If we didn't have eternal life, would we be sealed till the day of redemption? No. You would be sealed until you sin. Or you would be sealed until your day of disbelief. Or you would be sealed until you did something wrong to lose eternal life. That's not what it says. It says you're sealed to the day of redemption. When's the day of redemption? When either Christ comes back or you stand before him. That's amazing. Here's here's the one that I love the most though. Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what that is? <coughs> That's assurance. Every, it covers every single gamut of possibility. He lists every possibility, height nor depth, Angels or demons. He lists everything. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Who's included in creation? You are. You are. That's an amazing guarantee from God. Now what is eternal life though? That's not a period of time. When we talk about eternal life, I don't want you to think about a period of time. I want you to think about a personal relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. When you have eternal life, you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal life is having the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Listen, if you could lose your salvation, it would invalidate what the Bible says happens when we receive Christ. If Christians are new creations in Christ... You can't be unnewly created. The redeemed cannot be unpurchased. Eternal life can't be temporary. Eternal life is there. And God guarantees it. All right, here's the second thing. We can know we can have eternal life. I love this one too. In 1 John 5, 14 through 17, it says, We can know. That he answers prayer. 
We can know that he answers our prayer. We can know with absolute confidence that God will answer our prayers according to his will when we approach him in prayer. When Jesus, here's the whole key to this. When Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray, what is he teaching them? He's teaching them a model. It's the model prayer. It's the Lord's prayer, right? It's not a prayer to recite over and over in vain repetition. It's it, Jesus saying, this is how you should pray. Jesus didn't say, this is how you should always pray. He's giving them a model, right? And one of those things in that model is he says in Matthew 6.10, it says, your kingdom come is important. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But here's the whole point. God let your will be done. Your will be done. Not my will. Not the will of the elders. Not the will of the missus at home. But your will. Let your will be done. When we're followers of the Lord Jesus, we're being obedient to his commands, avoiding sin in our lives. He is going to answer according to his will. Prayer is about us conforming to God's will, not him conforming to our will. It's, it's us praying and accepting what God has for our lives. God, you're praying and you're saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. I'm going to be obedient to you. I want your will to be done in my life and my family's life. We're accepting his will. And then what happens? He, it was not say, he hears us. Now, that's, those are amazing words. Those three words are absolutely amazing. Think about that. This kind of stuff that makes your head just go blow. The creator of the universe. The creator of everything. Says he hears you. Man, he hears you. That you can have a personal relationship with, with, the, with the creator of the universe. When we talk to him, he always hears the prayers of his children. That is amazing. Psalm 34. I love this passage. Watch why I put it in here. Psalms 34, 15 through 17. It says this. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Ooh. That should make you take a step back. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. Okay. So if you're righteous, he hears you. Now I want you to think about this. He hears you, he hears your cries, and he delivers you. Well, who are the righteous? Who are the righteous? Nobody on our own accord. Nobody. The righteous were only made righteous through who? Through Christ. Through believing in him, not of our own doing. So what is that? That means that if you're in Christ, you have eternal life in Jesus. That he is going to hear your prayer. He's going to hear you in a time of trouble. And he is going to deliver you according to his will. That's amazing. That's awesome. And for, Now he uses an illustration here that is extremely hard to understand. It's extremely hard to understand. It's verses 16 and 17. And it talks about praying for a brother that's committed a sin not leading to death. Now what in the world is he saying and what's he talking about? John is using this illustration about praying according to God's will. And the example that he gives is a brother that is in sin that leads to death. Now what is that? That is premeditated, unconfessed sin that causes the Lord to end the life of a believer. Premeditated, unrepentant sin, and God says, yeah, you're one of my children, and I'm taking you out. Can that happen? Absolutely it can happen. You may be saying, man, that doesn't, I don't remember reading anything about that. When God has had enough of a brother or sister sinning, he can absolutely take them out. And you might say, well, that's rough. Well, I warn about this every single time we take communion. Every single time we gather to take communion, I warn about this. Here's the passage. It's in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven 27 through 30. It says, whoever 
therefore eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you have weak or ill and some have died. So when living in unrepentant, unconfessed sin, we have communion and you don't repent of the sin. You don't turn from the sin. You continue to live in the sin openly and rebellious against God. And you take communion honoring his death, his burial, his life that he died for you. And you take it, you can be ill or you can die. That's the illustration that John is using here. Failure to repent and forsake sin may eventually lead to physical death as a judgment from God. So, well, which sins lead to death and which ones don't? Because it said that there, right? We aren't for sure. We're not for sure. But we do know, what we can know from this passage is that God has limits in tolerating sin and will take us out. And what, and what he, so the illustration here is to pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for your brothers and sisters according to God's will. Pray for them. Be a praying church, a praying body. That's vital to the health of the church. And guess what? We can come before him boldly. We can come before the throne boldly because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. You can come boldly before the throne because he defeated death, because he paid for our sins. We can come to the creator of the universe boldly in prayer. And you know what he does? He hears us. That's an amazing guarantee. So what do they do? You can know that you have eternal life. It's not something that's dependent upon you. If eternal life was dependent upon me, it means I could do something to earn it. And because I didn't do anything to earn it, I can't do anything to lose it. Eternal life is dependent. It's a guarantee according to Christ. We can know. We can trust in Him alone for salvation. Not ourselves. Christ guarantees it. That we can know that you have eternal life. Now listen, when you have that, when you have that peace of mind of knowing, what happens? Problems don't seem as big anymore as they used to. Because you know that one day, yeah, my earthly body's going to die. But the minute that we take our last breath here, we spend all eternity with Christ. That's an amazing promise and guarantee. And when you have that, guess what happens with your problems in this world? They aren't really problems. Yeah, cancer's horrible. Horrible things happen with our health. You know what those all are? It's just getting to, getting to, to heaven quicker with Christ. I'll never forget the story about D.L. Moody. He was in a, he was getting on a subway, and somebody came up to him. It was a subway or a train or something. Somebody came up to him and was robbing him. They put a gun right at his chest. And they said, give me, give me your money. You're getting robbed. And he looked at him, he smiled, and he laughed. And he said, you're just threatening me with heaven. That's a peace of mind. That no matter what you're going through, you have eternal life. Everything's okay. Knowing that you're in Christ. And knowing that he answers our prayers. God is always going to answer the prayers of his children according to his will. Prayer confirms us to God and his will. I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. The, the, the one question I can ask you today that I think we all have to work out is am I, am I in Christ? Am I, am I a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? I always want people to question. I want them to question. Not to a point of doubting that they have to do something to be saved. But am I really in Christ? Am I really in Christ? And the second is, maybe you have things in your life you need to get down on your knees and pray about. You just need to pray and trust God and trust His will. You know, that happens by us being obedient and turning it over to God. 
That's why we have this time to do this. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need to come today, you can. You can pray right in your own seat. You don't need to come up here. Here's the other thing. Sometimes people come up here to pray. I'm not going to bend down and pray with you unless you ask me to, okay? Because sometimes people want one-on-one time with God themselves. If you want me to pray for you, I'll be more than happy to. If you don't, that's okay. If you want to spend time with God, you can do that. Let's pray. If you need to come, you can come. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the guarantees that are found here in Scripture. It makes everything just seem minuscule compared to having you and having heaven and, and eternity. So, Lord, I pray this morning that there's anyone here that doesn't know you. Maybe they've trusted in their baptism. Maybe they've trusted in church attendance. Maybe they've just never, never believed in what you did for them on the cross, that you died, rose again. I pray today that they publicly acknowledge you before men. They profess you as their Lord and Savior. I pray for that. Lord, this morning I know if we have situations in our life that we can boldly come before the throne because of what you did for us, and you hear us. Pray, Lord, today that we do that. And in all things, Lord, we glorify you. Make us more like you, Lord. Make us as a church more like you. Conform us to your will. In your name I pray, amen. And the Spirit was moving over the water. Spirit, come move over us. When you feel the room, you're here. 
Thank you guys uh, for coming today, and you guys look good in red this morning. I don't know why everyone's got red on today, but uh, you guys look good in red. You can wear blue or orange sometime if you want to, I'm just saying, but I hope everyone has a great day today. Here's another guarantee. I was just thinking about guarantees as I'm putting this together, the sermon this week, and um, I looked up some of the guarantees that God gives us and and that Jesus said, and this is one of them. I want to close with this benediction. And I love this guarantee. It's Matthew 6.33. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. The context is people worry all the time. They worry about stuff. They worry about clothes. They worry about food. They worry about houses. They worry about, do I have enough money? And I get it. I mean, I'm not saying, I get it. it inflation's been terrible the last two years. Things are expensive. There's a lot that we could worry about, right? Um, Back when when Jesus said these words, people starved to death. I don't know of anybody in Marshfield or even Missouri that's starving to death right now. I'm sure there's probably somebody, but I don't know anybody in our area that would because there's food generally available right outside in the blessing box. People come, a lot of times we deal with people coming and saying, hey, I'm hungry. We got a whole pantry full of food and we feed people. Um, So I I don't know. People starve to death then. And what is Jesus saying? Hey, if you just seek the kingdom of God, seek God's righteousness, love God, love others, and all these things are going to be provided. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Live for the kingdom. Live eternally, not temporarily. This is not our permanent home right it's not our permanent homes in heaven this is only temporary here's sermon number three for the day no I'm just teasing (laughs) I hope you guys have a great day uh, today let's close uh, in prayer I'm asking Gary Dawn in the back there would you close us in prayer this morning